RLC founder Dave Evans spends time with partners, clients, and friends in the USA talking about all things business. If you are an inspiring business owner, an entrepreneur, a CEO, or a coach who wants real advice about what to do in business today and wants to hear frank conversations, then this is the show for you. Real life consultations, challenges, and ideas from all around the world. We hope you enjoy this episode of Consultivation. Welcome back to Consultivation. I, Dave Evans, RLC Global is back. I'm here with the incredible Eric Swick from Swick Business Strategies. Eric, welcome back, sir. Thank you, Dave. Good to be back. We are going to be flying the flag a little bit solo this week, given that it is the end of tax season, isn't it? And and what's been the longest season ever. Have you caught up with any of your friends, Eric? I haven't really because they've had their head down and running forward. And I think after Monday, they're just, you know, relaxing. <laughs> it's, it's been a long season and, and, and we've got a guest with us uh, who we're going to come to in about six minutes time. This is Adam Wagster. Adam, what's the name of your company? You need to speak loud enough for the camera, sir. Uniting Ambition. I run a business called Uniting Ambition, uh, which is a, a, a global search business primarily involved in the tech markets. So we thought it was good, a good idea, Eric and I, to have somebody from the industry who runs a really successful business to come and talk to us following up to the last episode. What do you reckon, Eric? Yeah, I think that's great because we had a great conversation last week on you know, recruitment, but it was more from a business owner's perspective. And it'd be nice to have someone that's an expert in that industry. So, But I also feel the same pain as well because as a business owner, yeah. The biggest headache I have or the biggest challenge I have is, yeah. is talent, is recruitment of talent because for, for us to scale, people's people's the one the one ingredient, the one petrol, fuel, whatever you want to call it that we need. Yeah. Now, on that note, the first part of today's show, I want to talk about the power of your fuel gauges. Now, we have mentioned this before, um, yet it's being fully aware that I, it's not about whether you need to manage your energy today. It's about recognizing what part of the managing of your energy you may actually be in. So for anybody in the CPA space, and Eric, from your past experience, even though you never did a tax return, um, <laughs> that's important, you see, because lots of his colleagues did do tax returns. He was one of the few that knew, I'm going to hire the resources not to do it. Right. Yeah. But what, what traditionally happens after deadline day in the States, Eric? What, what do people normally do? Consume large quantities of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> no. But, you know, they kind of just let off and, and, you know, it's kind of like after you run a marathon or a long race, you know, you just relieved that it's over. And even though you feel like you have a sense of accomplishment, you're just exhausted from you know running for that long period of time and it's it's almost like a, an endurance fatigue isn't it eric yeah, where exactly people are, people are just consumed by the amount they have to give out and they're using up all of this resource all of the time Which so, Dave, i think about that as you know there's an energy side to it that's physical but as you talk about the fuel, fuel gauges, yeah, I think, you know, what I always felt after tax season was more emotional. It was more, you know, the drain on my brain than it was on my physical being. Because obviously, 
doing tax work or managing a tax organization, it's not a huge physical effort, right? You're sitting at a desk hitting keys on a keyboard. The, it's more the emotional side of it. So, I, you know, we should talk more about that. That's a really good idea. And uh, I think sometimes we forget about the power of the emotional gauge. So let's answer the first question. So coming out of tax season, literally the day after, what do you think is the phase people are in? So if you think about the physical fuel gauge, when we talk about nutrition, we talk about uh, exercise, rest, recovery, sleep, uh, illness, what phase do you think most people are going to find themselves in, Eric, from just your opinion? Yeah, yeah. My opinion would be is that that gauge is going to be really low because, you know, you just don't take care of yourself. You're ordering lunches in for people. You're eating, you know, garbage food. You're not getting the rest that you need. Um, you know, I think that gauge is very low and you don't even have the time. You know, I found, you know, I, I, I'm also a bicyclist like you, Dave. And my old office, I used to sit there, was on a major bike route that people would go on. And I'd be sitting in my office and I always, my desk faced the window and I'd sit there and I'd see everyone riding by. And it used to just infuriate me because I couldn't go out and I, I didn't have the time to actually get on a bike and ride that time of year. I always had to wait until after the tax deadline to start my training for the season. And, um, you know, I know that a lot of other people, they sacrifice those kinds of things. I have to ask you though, what word did he say? Cyclist or bicyclist? I think cyclist, maybe bicyclist. Did you say bicyclist? I said cyclist, but I guess- I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't tell if you said I'm also a bicyclist. I'm thinking, wow, is that, is that a new word you've invented? <laughs> well, I'm, learning, I'm learning from you. You <laughs> it, it did sound for a second like a new word, but maybe it's just me, you know, anyway. Um, yeah. I can discover I might have a very mild, tiny form of color blindness that I've developed. I think it's because I, I did look into one of those measuring lasers. It does say don't do it. Um, because apparently Monty has got a dog bed that's green, and I think it's grey. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit bizarre, but I, but I know this is green. It is, isn't it? That's it yeah, is green. green yeah. But Debbie's made me either that or Debbie is on a stealth wind up, and I just don't know anymore whether she's getting me back. But <laughs> possibly. But I think um, I'd like to say to people, um, there's two bits that I think it's important to get right right now coming out of yesterday and going into today is to plan rest and do active recovery now active recovery in business isn't about you know going out and going for a walk like it is in the world of exercise it's about recovering slowing down your cadence and not stopping yeah because i don't think the american cpa space can afford to stop this summer i don't think it's a normal year wasn't a normal season. It resulted yeah. onto the longest season ever. I think a phase of recovery will do just as good as a phase of rest. What do you reckon, Eric? No, I agree. I mean, I, I was also in my younger days a runner, and I always valued that cool down period after running a race. You don't just stop. Although, you know, I was always usually, you know, warming down as I walked to the beer stand. <laughs> um, after the race, but um, I, I think that's important. It's not that you come to a complete stop. It's kind of like, you know, if you run a piece of equipment all out for a long period of time and then you just shut it down without it cooling down, 
you're going to have damage. You're going to damage that piece of equipment. And I think it's the same for you as an individual. And you know, the reality in our industry, in the uh, CPA industry, it's not like when tax season ends, there's no more work to do. I mean, you have people on extensions, you still have work that you need to do. It's just maybe, you know, slow the pace down and get back to a little bit more normalcy. Whatever your normalcy is. And, yeah. and the, the, I, have, I have a bit of a tip for people as well. Uh, and that is, I think it's time because it, Eric, I've been witnessing conversations that go like this. Some people have just decided they've had enough. They're either leaving, selling up or changing career. Yep. That's okay. But those that aren't, um, they're not doing that. This is the time to make bigger decisions than you've ever done before and to actually execute the things you've been putting off. Because a lot of the frustrations experienced outside of internal team capability or external client behavior are generally controllable if you invest the time into it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know if I would get into that phase right after tax season. I think you need to take a little time to just regroup, whether it's a week, whatever before you start thinking about, okay, where do I go next? What do I do next? What, you know, I think that's, you gotta be in kind of a, um, get your fuel gauges back up before you start thinking about, okay, what am I gonna do with my future? I think, you know, like your comment about people saying, yeah, I'm done with this, I'm out of this industry, I'm so tired of it. Yeah, I mean, that's how you feel when, you know, you're at mile 24 of a marathon, right? <laughs> I'm done with this. I'm never going to do one of these again. And then what you always hear from them is after they recover from the marathon, they're like, yeah, I got to go look and see if I can plan my next one. You know, it's hard to do that when you're in the midst of it and your, your, your fuel gauges are so low and you're so drained to really make a, a rational decision. So I encourage people go through that recovery phase and then make those decisions. Just can I just, as a business owner, how do you, give your staff because we're talking about a talent drain or the last thing you need is is 10 people to, throw, to hand the notices in on on t tax plus two day do you because that just that ruins the that ruins that recovery period for you ruins the recovery period for the business so how do you i suppose future proof um this period and make sure when everybody comes back on plus day plus two day plus three that you've got an environment they want to come back to you've carried them through that period of stress you plan it three months beforehand there's no point planning it the day before it's giving people the runway and that expectation i suppose future that this is going to be tough we're in it together at the end of this there will be a period of recovery and i'm going to help you deliver that recovery so that we come back fighting next year next September. Yeah, yeah. adam I, I i love the comment that you're bringing up in this point because I, I thought about that many years in my firm. And what I did is I made sure that I had enough staffing that I never expected anyone during tax season to work over 55 hours. You know, you hear a lot of people where they're working 80 hours a week. That's not unheard of. That's kind of the norm. And, you know, so what I would encourage people to do is start planning your staffing now for the future so that you're not working people those ridiculous hours because it's hard to recover from something like that. And to your point, I mean, they're going to they're going to exit the, the industry because that's just not a lifestyle, especially a lot of the millennials and the next generation that's coming yeah. up. They don't want to work that. And I was willing to compromise on the overall profitability of the business 
to have a business where people enjoyed coming to work and didn't burn out like that and you know were able to retain and maintain the staffing that I had. So I think that's what they should spend their time on is putting a plan together to how we can operate so that it isn't so stressful, right? What can we do differently so that it's not stressful? And what I did was just one one solution. Because that's the beautiful thing of the, the, the especially the world that you work in, is it's pretty it's pretty linear. You know what's going to happen, you know when it's going to happen, and you know what happened last year. So for us not to approach it in a slightly different way year on year and mitigate some of that pain and, and, and stress, I think would be would be stupid of us really. And it's funny it's funny you say that because the gentleman I sold my accounting firm to was not an accountant. So when he came into the business, he's looking with fresh eyes. And yeah. his biggest thing that he said is I don't understand this tax season and why it's such a big deal. You know, he runs a business where he has 30 some locations and, you know, they have some busy times and slow times, but, you know, it doesn't change how he runs his business on a day to day basis. And he just couldn't understand that. And that's what his challenge was to, you know, the rest of the team is, okay, how do we flatten this basically and take out the stress piece? And I think there's ways to do that. I definitely do. I, I want to just call out um, the importance of language that Kevin took us through a couple of episodes ago about leadership language. Staffing is an accounting word linked to resources, resources in terms of the, having the right headcount to run your business. Yeah. And one of the ways to future-proof is to start using words that reflect a team, reflect the people, because my instant answer, this is the time during recovery, is to go and do the soul food, encourage the people and thank them for the work that they've done. Seed doing that soul food where you're going next and that there's a pace and a cadence that's going to be sensible. You know, we, we know loads of people at a, in the US who go to um, our webinars, they go to conferences, they buy software, they rush back to their company with a list of 50 things to do and everyone, yeah, and everyone, yeah, and everyone, totally, and everyone knows they're at the conference, and they come back and go, "These are all the things we're going to do." They also know it's the wrong thing yeah. to do, but we, we've all been there. We've all done it. There's no answers in the box, is there? No, no we know yeah. the inherent challenges in any business, primarily in whatever, especially service industry, comes down to people. How do we protect our people? How do we incentivize people? How do we provide an environment for our people to want to be there? And more importantly, to work with us to make the business better. And if you can get that sort of environment, you will retain people, you'll develop people, and everybody will view the business as their own, and you'll drive performance tenfold. Yep, I agree. Now, I also want to talk about... You know, Dave, what you were saying about you know coming back from the conferences and all these ideas, and we're going to do all these things. What I see the biggest drain of energy from organizations is when they come back and they say all those things, but they don't ever follow up and actually implement. That's what drains the energy from a team because they get excited and then they don't see any action. And so I, I see that as a, one of the big problems in, in business today. There's, there's also a big shout here, Adam, and, and you mentioned this as well, Eric, that when the tax deadlines are extended, what seems to drive um, owner's behavior is what they've always done yeah. and some of it's really positive as in you get to the april deadline you immediately have a party maybe go away 
go traveling, take time out. You literally do all the things you haven't done for four or five months. Right. And when the industry looks like, and I don't think it is yet, but when it looks like they're, they're looking to even it all out. So it's an all year round thing. Yeah. Like most other businesses, the attitude is often, yeah, but I don't want to do that. I like the stress. And the I like the, the yeah, I, well. I prefer what I know. Yeah. Where yeah. I, I, well, I, go on. Well, I, well, I, you know, there's a lot of seasonal businesses out there, yeah. right? Other than yeah. tax business and they manage and what they do, you know, I've, I've had clients in seasonal businesses. They ramp up, they have, you know, yeah. people that come in just for that time of year. There's a lot of people in the workforce that look for just this part-time type of lifestyle. And, uh, you know, I think that's one opportunity that people can look at to try to not necessarily smooth out the work over 12 months, but maybe to make it more manageable during those four or five months. I think that leads into talent attraction, the types of people, and more importantly, the profile of the people you need in your business and when you need them. Yep. It's a hell of a lot easier trying to target a specific profile of individuals for a specific period of time because you know your talent pool is going to be bigger. If you're looking for qualified CPAs all the time, your chance of attracting those and landing them when you need them is, is pretty slim. Yep. You can, if you can segment or compartmentalize parts of that role and yeah. find a different type of skill needed to do it, then your talent pool increases. Your chance of getting the people on board when you need them again increases. Yeah. So let's flip the switch over to Adam for the rest of the show. Yeah. <laughs> In you come, Adam. Have you just spent all your best answer? Yeah, that's me doing. So, so, Adam, have we got your title right? So, Adam works at owner, CEO, leader of Uniting Ambition, UK, EO, and Global. You're not yes. limited, are you? So. And you are in the US through partnerships? Through partnerships, yeah. We primarily trade in the UK and Germany at the moment. Um, my, we're VC backed and my, my, my VC has um, an operation in, in New York City and also two businesses in the UK that trade throughout the US in the solar market uh, and, the, and the staffing and recruitment market. So yeah, the US is a big um, target for us to take one of the brands to, which will probably be I would imagine later this year, early next year, um, in the process of just working through what that's going to look like from a, uh, a time frame point of view and a commitment point of view from a business. But the US market is very, very front and centre in, in, in everything we're looking forward to. So I, I remember first meeting Adam a few, quite a few years ago now, too many to count. And um, uh, Adam was a, a, a managing director of, of, a, of a part of the business, weren't you, back then? Yeah, probably not even that at the time. Probably yeah. a business development director. Yeah, so. Adam was I was a little bit stuck with you about what do you do with your career. So, how has the last few years been? Where you you you've been in the hot seat for a long time now, but how was that as a leader today running a business? How was it getting into that space to run the business? How did you how did you manage that whole process? Um, I won't go into huge amount no, of detail because it was because it was an interesting process, shall, shall we say? Um, I think. When you're, and this comes back to how you look after your staff and how you incentivize um, the people who work for you and with you, and how you build an environment that people want to view um, the business as their own and how they want to help you build it. I think that's the environment I've tried to foster. I think previously I was in an environment where I believed I was doing a lot of the work and the the, the owner, the guy who owned the business, wasn't and was, was basically taking all the rewards. And I think. When you're when that that balance is massed so out of kilter that that you either leave or you do something about it, and um, consequences allowed me to to, to to get into a situation where I could actually get control of the business, 
And once that happened, it was all around, from my perspective, it was all about how do we build this for the future, not only for me personally, because obviously that's a, that's, a, that's a big drive for any person that owns a business, but how do we build an environment that was, without, without being completely opposite to where we've been, was a lot more encompassing and a lot, and a lot better place to work for everybody. And I think as a leader, that's always been a big driving force for me. I think there's a, there's a great interview with Jack Welch, um, ex of GE out there, where he called himself the Chief Meaning Officer. And I think that resonated with me really strongly. It's something I've always tried to, I suppose, embed in everything I do as a, as a CEO, as a whatever you want to term it, as a leader of a business, is to ensure that everybody who works in the environment knows what's in it for them. And I think that's really important. If they come to work every day knowing where their next step is from a career perspective, how they're going to earn the money they need and they desire to give them the life they want, and also that they feel valued and enjoy and feel a part of the business they're in, I think if you can build an environment like that and make people believe that you're sincere around the way you behave and the way the, way the business acts, then I think you're, you're, on a, you're on a really good path to, to success. And I think anything that, that Jack Welch did a pretty good job with GE, so, um, and when it's not just about the operational excellence of the business, it's about how we got the people within the organization to believe that they were part of that GE family. And I think if you can, US businesses are fantastic at doing that about, making people believe and really truly feel that they are part of that that family and i think there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of value in that uh, i think it's vital to connect the meaning to the to the daily job being done don't you eric yes yes absolutely so and next thing i want to ask you is is how on earth have you kept uniting ambition relevant you're in the recruitment business, and that's a tough kick. It, it, it's a tough market, especially the UK. It's a highly saturated market. If you look from a global perspective, if you look in the US and you look across Europe, a lot of the major players in both those recruitment markets are UK-based businesses because we're, we're sick of fighting ourselves on, on the sport <laughs> and, and have sort of looked for bigger, more lucrative markets. I think how do you keep yourself real? I think it's a really tough question in a really competitive marketplace. If, if you if you suppose if you point that question towards talent attraction and getting the best people into your business, differentiating yourself from the rest of the market is a really tough thing to do. It's, is it a holiday? Is it a salary? Is it we've got a snooker pool table in the business? We've got dress down Fridays. All the, 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 there are a myriad of, 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 of token gestures I think you can throw out there to try and get people to attract. I think keeping yourself viable, keeping yourself um, attractive to that marketplace. And it comes throughout some, some real core factors. Have you got a vision that you believe in and that you can articulate in the right way that not only the people who work for you believe in, but the people you're trying to attract believe in? Are you in um, in a market or in a, in, in, a, in a sector that is attractive to the people you're trying to attract? Yeah. And can you offer them from a, a career progression and earnings progression, a general desire? Can you match their desires in terms of, um, what it is specifically they're looking for. So it depends on the sector you're in, but, but ultimately I think it, the key the key driving factors behind it are can you can you offer a vision that people believe in that's going to give those people what they want in life? I think if you can marry those two together and you can articulate it in the right way and you can get people to believe them uh, and believe in that, then you've got a, a, a much higher chance of attracting the staff you need. So, Adam, Adam, I hear a lot right now about coming out of COVID, people wanting flexibility in their job world. 
I'm curious what you're seeing and especially hearing from employers around flexibility and how they're going to try to accommodate that. Yeah, I think, I think COVID has taught us one thing in the fact that you, you, if you trust your staff, they'll deliver for you. And I think um, in any recruitment to sales environment, in any sales environment, that's always been quite a, a tough pill to swallow. But I think over the past 12 months or so, one thing that everybody's learned is that flexible working is feasible, does perform in the level we want it to do, and that most people do want it. The, 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 the clients we're dealing with, the business we're dealing with at the moment, the, the overriding, I suppose, um, uh, plan that everybody's looking for is more of a hybrid model. So we personally doing a three, two, three days in the office, two days um, from home. There's flexibility around those, but I think it's really important that there is some, every business has some FaceTime together that is not on Zoom, because I, I, if I, I, I'm so bored of video conferencing, I'm so bored of Zoom, as most people are, I think. So I think it's really important that you manage to get some, some FaceTime, some time um, together within an office environment. I think everybody wants that. But I also think it's really important that there's flexibility out there from whether it's the hours of work when you're in the office, um, the amount of days you work from home, um, and I think that's that's going to be the norm moving forward. I think it's got to be. I think any business that doesn't um, sort of embrace that is going to lose out. But I also think that you look at the Googles of this world, they're starting to bring people back in a hybrid model. I think there is a the vast majority of people do not want to work from home 100% of the time. I yeah. mean, I've done it 12 months and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not where the future is. But a hybrid model definitely is. Yeah, that makes sense. And let's go back over the question that um, we asked Adam about how does he make UA relevant or keep keep it top of mind for clients and people. And let's just recap recap those. So the question we asked was, how do you keep it relevant? You said, build your differences and know them. I think that's a great tip to the CPA space, Eric, isn't it? Yes. Um, and anyone listening to this who's running a business, do you know what makes you different? Next up, have you got a vision that your people can believe in? Also, as a coach, do you challenge your people that don't believe in your vision and assist them in believing? So that's also a massive challenge. Um, you also said, are you in a market that attracts talent? I think you said it slightly differently. But that's a really great in the mirror question, isn't it, Eric? You know, think about the challenges in the CPA space. You know, are, they, are we asking the right question? That's, that's what's made me think about it. Yeah. You know, why are people not looking at this industry? Yeah. What is it about this industry that's no longer appealing? Yeah. It's really interesting. I was talking to Kurt Rickoff, who's on the show with us regularly, and I was I said to him that it's really it's a fascinating space because the, the CPA industry is not selling caskets for funerals, which is a pretty solid business, right? <laughs> We're always going to die, unfortunately. So it, it's, there's always going to be that business. But there is a famous cliche. There's nothing most certain about life other than death and taxes, right? right. So we're, we're talking about that in that context if you're listening to this and suddenly become appalled, right? But the point is, this industry needs to exist. Yeah. The government in the US, the version in the UK, we need CPA firms. They're a necessity. So asking the right recruitment review question, I think, is really important. Yeah. But also, Dave, I think like most industries, even the funeral industry, you have to change with the times. Yeah. Now, you're probably now in the funeral industry selling more urns than you are caskets, for as an example. 
because I think people are more conscious about, you know, taking up space on the earth and things you like say, that. You say that though, you say that. I was driving into Edinburgh in the last 12 months. Yeah. I came into Edinburgh from the south side of Scotland. And I was coming through Leith, I think it was. Uh, famous for a movie, I don't know if it was a hit in America, Train Spotting. Um, 90s film. 1990s movie. Uh, interesting film. It made made some famous actors like Ewan McGregor. I'm sure you've heard of him, Eric. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, and there was this funky little retail shop, and it said, like a hand. You know, you know when um, vaping took off. Yeah. And they started off with people who were who were bought into the idea, and you'd see their shops, and it was like a comfortable site, right? at the very beginning of an industry. But what it said, go the way you want. <laughs> and in the window, there were all kinds of caskets made of all kinds of things. Uh, yeah. really, like there was a surfboard co uh, coffin. There you go. Uh, yeah, so, so, so but your point was, was right. Yeah. About being relevant, being different. Yes, yeah. I think the important thing is how do you, what is the profile your uh, of people or of talent you're looking to attract to the industry and i don't think it's a question if you answer that question for the next 12 months or even the next 24 months you're not going to get the answers you want because the market is the talent pool is shrinking the demand is increasing and you'll end up in a basic bun fight or um bidding war to try and buy talent into the business so what i think if i was in your business or the cpa business in the us and again i'm i'm i'm, I'm supposing here because uh, I don't know the intricacies of the, of the industry, but I will be looking about where do you want to be in five years? How, what's the type of piece of people you can attract today who will take your business to where you want to get to in five years? No, no, How no. do you attract it? How do you rebadge the industry, rebadge the job that you do to make yeah. it relevant and make it attractive to the, to, to the people coming out of universities and schools and whatever it may be? Because I think in any t heavily candidate-driven industry, as Dave says, the tax industry is going to continue. It's not going to stop. So there is there is a never-ending demand for people within your industry, within the industry. In order to get them for the future, to safeguard the future, you've got to think around what's that business going to look like in five years and how do we make it attractive to the people of today? Yeah, to your point, yes, taxes will always be there. But I think the role of an accountant CPA may change because of technology, right? Yeah. People can do self work, but maybe it's more the advisory side of it that you need to really be ready for. And so to, I, your point is right on is that that's exactly what this industry needs to start doing is looking at, you know, what's the future and what do, what kind of talent pool do I need? Jolly people that could do more advisory type work than just sit there and plow through preparing tax returns. And, and, if, you, and, if, you, and if you can build a a job or build a role that sounds more attractive than just doing taxes. Yep. Something that is, that is a bit sexier, and it is sexy is the right word. Encompassing technology and encompassing people skills and yeah. putting the, the importance of the, that role in society, then you're going to get people excited. But if you pitch it as you're going to do tax returns for a four month period between whatever January and April, and you're going to burn yourself to death, and then you're going to go and get drunk for two weeks, and then you're going to come back and do the same thing. You might get the odd person, but I don't think it's, it's not, it doesn't sound yeah, exactly. from a CA perspective. Yeah. And I, I, as we as we bring this week to a, a gradual close, I also want to just reflect that question one more time that Adam asked us. Can you match the desires of the talent you want to attract? That's a brilliant question. 
Yeah. Because how often do any of us think about that long enough? So, Eric, what chance for one more question from you to the man here, Adam, who's a guest on our show this week on Consultivation. When we populate this later on in the week, on Friday, with the podcast going out on LinkedIn as a note and with some of the follow-up content, this is a rich tapestry of some great bullets to share later on. Would you agree, Eric? Yes, I would. Is there anything you'd like to ask him? You can ask him anything you'd like. <laughs> He's brilliant on the hop. <laughs> Well, I won't ask anything personal about your relationship with Dave, but, uh, uh, you know, one question I do think of is, you know, right now what I'm hearing is the talent pool is really low. It's hard to find people. Is there one or two tips that you would share with people on how to separate yourself to be able to get the talent, the limited talent that's out there? Yeah, I don't think it's a question of the limited talent. I think the demand on the talent pools, all my business units are working in candidate-driven environments. So whether it's SAP, the technology vendor in Germany, or whether it's software engineering in um, in the UK, because we're in the markets where those um, those markets are booming and the demand for talent, it's economies of scale, um, yeah. is outstripping the demand, then the, the, the biggest environment, well, the biggest advice I can give is build relationships with people for the future. So the people we're talking to now, the people we're having conversations with now, we act almost as a career agent. I don't act as somebody who moves individuals around. I want to build long-term relationships with that talent pool because even if we can't place them now or we can't attract them to move to one of our clients now, if we have a long-term relationship with them, we build a relationship based on they, they trust our opinion, we're at, we're, we work within a consultative manner, at some point in the future, we will, hit, we will talk, we will reconnect at the right time where we have the right job, it's the right time for them, and then, and then everybody wins. So... I think the biggest piece of advice I can give to anybody who's looking to attract talent is A, just to sort of recap, get your vision straight. B, ensure that you understand what is attractive to your role, your market, your sector, and that you can articulate that well to um, the, the talent pool you're going out, the profile of the people you're going after. And number three, build relationships for the future. Yeah, great, great, thank you. So we have been Consultivation. I want to give a big thanks to Eric, who's our co-host. I think in America they say co-anchor of the Consultivation podcast. Yeah. And Adam, you're the first guinea pig this week of us bringing in a guest to the show. It's great that you're actually here in Scotland at Easter Sheen with me as part of the conversation. And in the weeks and months ahead, we're going to have all kinds of experts join us on Consultivation to put a slightly different tangent in the middle section of the show as we meet experts who bring a different ray of light into the conversation and continue the mission of having advisors from around the world having a conversation, Adam, therefore, consultivation. Do you like that? That was very I had to explain that. I had to explain very, that to Kevin a few episodes <laughs> ago. So, Eric, thank you for your time, my good friend. Thank you, Eric. Good to meet you. And Adam, yes. from Uniting Ambition. Yes, here. Is it unitingambition.com? Uh, unitingambition.com, yeah. Unitingambition.com, yes. Do you like that rapid repeat? Uh, Adam, thanks for spending the time with us on the show today, my Pleasure. friend. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Consultivations, brought to you by RLC Global, helping you become a best version business. 
If you want any help from the conversations in the show today, please reach out to info at rlc-global.com and one of our team would be delighted to talk with you. Go to rlcglobal.group for more information and free content designed to help you.